0: Good to see everybody this morning. Again, another full plate of, of some truths this morning. Hopefully, it'll we'll encourage you, be a blessing to you. Um, we're continuing our study on the end times, and this is our fourth of what will be seven to eight. I don't know how it'll end up, but uh, we do have a packed full plate this morning, so I want to get started here. Um, I'll spend some time later on using the chalkboard for some things that'll be more visual for you make sure I just want to kind of recap a little bit last this has been a lot on my mind lately so obviously I want to share it with you I expressed it um, with some passion last week about um, what I would call the overload or the uh, the overconsumption of information today uh, that comes via access of technology we are being bombarded I'm going to show you some statistics that'll make your hair stand up this morning about how much information we actually receive on a daily basis now you you may be Uh, an outlier on this and say well I'm not really you know know, someone that's been consumed by information or knowledge or media or TV or radio or iPads or your pocket you know uh, computer but reality is there's an entire generation out there is being consumed and when you're consumed with the things of the world and the earthly things and the carnal things and all the knowledge out there and the information that you're getting you're going to eventually exclude God from your thoughts. And that's where we kind of really parked last week about the dangers of over-consuming knowledge and information. It's at your fingertips. It's unbelievable what we have, and it's growing exponentially for uh, any generation now. So just a little bit of thought last week as we we looked at Genesis 5 is going to be repeated in the last days. And that's what I was really getting at is all this information and this knowledge and everything that's coming at us is prepping the world for what is coming. And one thing's for sure, in the uh, days of Noah, so shall it be, in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, every imagination of the thoughts of the heart was only evil continually. Basically, that's saying their thoughts excluded God. Now, one way to exclude God is fill your mind with earthly things. You can consume yourself with news and trivia and sports and tv and radio and music and knowledge and internet searches and shopping what not me and the bible says they did not like to retain god in their knowledge he ex- he's being excluded uh certainly technology is driving that behavior in the last days. So that was an important facet. Today we have a buffet, and I mean a buffet of of information coming at us. It is a feast for the eyes. Whatever you want to know and to search, it can be found. Uh, So there are spiritual risks for all of us in here that are associated with overconsumption. I am not talking about it's wrong to watch the news or wrong to watch the sports or listen to the radio. And that, that's not what I'm saying here. I'm ta- that's a moderation of things. I'm talking about an overconsumption of these things, which is certainly um, highlighted by the younger generations out there that have grown up in a digital information world. They do not know how to get off their phones. And, it, and, and the, the statistics and the health statistics are frightening today. When I read article after article about the health problems and the mental issues that we have in the United States that, that very few are trying to associate with technology, but it's happening. It's unfolding for our very eyes, and I've shared some of that, that data with you on the use of the phone and what's happened to the younger generation, and so I don't have time to go back into that, but we got to be really careful of being over-consumed with this information that's coming at us. So let's look at a little of what that means from a real-world perspective. So the information age. If you think you're suffering from info, information overload, then you might be right. A new study shows everyone is bombarded with the equivalent of 174 newspapers a day, of data a day. So that kind of puts things in perspective. 100, I mean, it was, it was uncommon, maybe common maybe 30 years ago to pick up a paper and read portions of it. Now we're reading the, the equivalent of 174 newspapers a day. Now, you, that may not be you as an older generation or a more mature generation, but that's definitely true of a younger generation. I lived in the business world. It's coming at you with emails and texts and phone calls and, and Zoom calls and videos and memes. And it's just it's nonstop, 24 7. You don't sleep. It's coming at you. And that's why they. Are making these uh, statistics uh, more available to us today here's some more statistics about information the average American spends seven hours 11 minutes looking at a screen per day now none of you are doing that correct now that includes TV and that includes your your computers now is it wrong to be looking at a computer if you're you're studying the things of God for a few hours a day absolutely not but a lot of people are not studying the things of God or or not looking at spiritual things or heavenly things, you know what Colossians 3 says verse 1 set your affections on things above not on the earth affections is the things that you are drawn to you are most precious to you well they ought to be heavenly and that's where the consumption should be we take in interesting five times as much information as we did in 1986 It's estimated the average American consumes almost 12 hours of information per day. Now you get my point is why in the last days this wasn't the case 30. Go back 100 years. What you do in a day they did in a a, a lifetime 100 years ago for information. That's how much we consume. And it's kicking God out of our thoughts. As they did not like to retain God in their thoughts. A subtle process that's happening Satan is using this as a tool against people. In the digital terms of the world, the average American consumes 34 gigabytes. That's how they often measure the amount of information. What does that mean? It's a 350% increase from 30 years ago. So you see the exponential growth of information and knowledge that's hitting us every day. You break this down, our daily diet of information includes 100,000 words a day, which is basically... Uh, reading War and Peace close to reading the entire book and I know that some are going well that's just not me, that may not be you but that's not true about the average American so that really puts a perspective on what's happening in the last days and why people are so distracted and have no time for God and when they have time for God their mind is they come to church, that's why they Sermons can be 20, maybe 30 minutes at most anymore. Because people don't have the capacity to, to sit and listen because their minds are moving so much. They have So much uh, stimulation, especially with the younger generation, from dopamine and the need for the next hit of dopamine through news or trivia or Facebook or TikTok or whatever it may be, but it's consuming us. And we have to be so very careful about how it ap- impacts us spiritually. Here's a good breakdown or pie chart of what that could look like in the average person's life, the TV, the radio, phone, print, computer, and the list goes on. And that kind of breaks it down by the hours per day. I was surprised to see that much in TV, but I guess that's, that's the case. I would think it's more on the computers and the iPhone today. But remember, a lot of people are watching TV on their iPhones today. They're not wa- you know, the iPads and they're, you know, they're not really neck sitting in front of a 80 you know, inch TV screen at home. They're, they're sitting there on their phones. And that's, you could just go to a restaurant and everybody can see it happening. You know, you can't go to a restaurant, you can't go anywhere anymore without people on their phones while they're sitting there eating dinner. It's just, it's the reality of what we live in and it's consuming our, it's taking our time and energy away from the things that are important, which be, they be of God. So I had some thoughts I wanted to close out. I've, I've been wanting to get to this part. We talked last week about this idea as man advances, uh, the idea that man advances, you know, he progresses, he improves. Uh, that's why the left are called progressive. They think man has to improve himself and change, and that their changes they're making are, are, are relative to the, the, the current state of, of life and, and present tense. And so, gender identification is a perfect example. We've got to change. That's what they're saying. We've got to think differently. And so they look at that as evolution, man evolving. And we showed financially, we're corrupt, we're bankrupt. We showed morally, we're corrupt. We all, the, the relative is the, is, the, is the norm for the day, whereas authority used to be the norm for the day. Today, it's whatever you want it to be, whatever you think it should be, that's your truth. Now we look at the environment, and these are things that should be uh, accelerating, intensifying in the last days. So we, we're kind of like pigeonholing United States, but this is true across the world. When we look at the environment, they tell us we have, we're in this climate change crisis. If I hear another word on climate change, I'm going to blow a gasket, man. I mean, I've had enough of what they're saying, because you know what they're saying. They don't even believe it, but they're promoting it, and they're hypocrites promoting it. As they fly around the world in their jets and they talk about us, having to go to green, but yet they're, they're burning more carbon footprint than anybody else. They're hypocrites. But this global warming, is it real? It's not real, but is, are the weather patterns changing? Yes. They say it's man-made. I have a different opinion about that. They say the world temperature is rising, producing destructive weather, which it is, and it's a direct result of man. Where do they get this philosophy, this ideology that man has a responsibility? It comes from pantheism, the worship of nature. It's a religion in itself that their belief, and I mean anyone who's promoting this at the degree they're promoting it, believes that this is Mother Earth, a God, and that we owe to her a responsibility to take care of what we've destroyed, to Mother Earth. And a result of it, Mother Earth is angry. The God is angry with us and is showing us how angry she is by giving us the destructive weather patterns that we have. It's rooted in pantheism. The worship of nature. Making nature a God instead of God who made nature. They worshipped the creature more than the creator. That's exactly what they're doing in this environment. Yes, it's heating up. Absolutely. But it's not the result of man-made, it's the result of God. God's in charge of the weather patterns. Now I'm not saying everything, every bad weather pattern out there is a judgment of God, but we we got to believe that God is judging the world using weather. He's always proven that throughout Scripture. So um, it's not surprising that as we move into the last days, Jesus said you're going to see intensifying earthquakes. you to see pestilences which would come from diseases, and then you see famines, which is a result of drought. So these things are going to intensify and accelerate. We're seeing it happen because the judgments of God are becoming more evident. When you get into the tribulation period, you're going to find that God is going to, st- going to keep the world from receiving rain for three and a half years under the witness of the two, the two witnesses who prophesy for three and a half years. They shut up heaven in their prophecy, the Bible says in Revelation 11. And so if you read in Revelation, I think it's 16, that he scorches men with fire. Why? Because the sun is so intense during that time. All these things are pointing to what's coming. It's not, the, the environment's not going to improve. We're not going to fix the environment by going green. We're kidding ourselves. God is in charge of this world, and he'll do what he wants to do. And if we don't get our hearts right and this world doesn't turn, then they'll burn. And I mean from the sun. And then eventually, eternally. So, AOC. This was a comment she made. Twelve. She made this three years ago. I saw, I pulled it up in print. The world is going to end in 12 years. Do you remember that? If we don't address climate change, it's her religion. Mother Earth is her God. Whether she wants to say it vocally or not, that's what she believes. Now, it's interesting that maybe she made a prophetic statement. Maybe God used her to make a comment here that's true. I don't know. I'm certainly not trying to date anything. All I'm saying is she said that three years ago. That leaves us nine years left. There's a seven-year tribulation that leaves us two years before the rapture. Now you say, well, that I'm not saying anything, but do you know God used the donkey to speak the truth? He can use AOC. <laughs> Don't? Sometimes God throws things out there, and He uses people that and the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun. The vials are in the second half of the tribulation known as the great tribulation and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. That's how intense we think things are bad today with the climate and the temperatures are rising and the heat waves are happening. Get ready. It can't get better based on what I understand in scripture. There's definitely climate change going on but it's not because of men is because God has deemed it so. Spiritually, last thing that's happening in America is apostasy. Of course, this is, there's two types of apostasy. Apostasy is basically the apostate church. This is the professing church that represents Christianity, but professing, but denies him in works. It, they have the form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Christianity has become a mockery. When we were knocking on doors yesterday, Brother Neil and I, we got a lot of open doors to preach the gospel. But we came across one lady working in her yard. I couldn't even finish my sentence before she said, you've already taken more time than than I need. I didn't even finish the sentence to say, hey, I'd like to talk to you. And she's like, you've already taken more time. And she was absolutely despising us that we were even in that neighborhood wanting to share the gospel. And she made some comment as a walking way, I don't remember what it was, but this is this is how people feel about Christianity today because Christianity's made a mockery of God and his holy word. And so it's hard for people when they see people knocking on doors to trust them anymore. But we still have a responsibility to do it whether we like it or not, but apostasy is upon us. And I'm going to get into that as a sign as you'd say a discerning sign in the last days you're going to have apostasy the bible says for that day shall not come except there be a falling away first so you, what you should see in the last days is widespread apostasy did you know every dispensation we'll talk about that ends in apostasy it starts out with the movement of God, and it ends in apostasy with the movement of man. Man takes over, kicks God out. Why do you think you read in Revelation chapter 3, where Jesus has no commendation for the church, and he says, thou art, what's he say? I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. That's what the church, the, 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 the condition of that church is. And you know where Christ is? He was in the midst of the candlesticks at the end of that church, where they say the seventh church, where was Christ? He was on the outside of the church. He said, if any man knock, I will come in. So he's been kicked out. Man movement, where it starts with God, ends up with man in apostasy. That's what you're going to see in the last day. So the apostate church is growing, but God always has a remnant. A remnant of believers who will stay true and faithful to Him. In every dispensation where it ends in apostasy, like in the book of Malachi, you always see a remnant that God has who stay true to His name and His word. May we be that people. It's a smaller group. It is. But nevertheless, that doesn't mean God can't do awakening and a revival. I'm just saying there's still a remnant out there in the midst of apostasy. And we're going to talk more about apostasy in uh, the weeks to come, so I've asked myself, how much longer do you think God's going to put up with all this? I mean, I don't know about you, but I, 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 cannot watch a lot of news. I just can't because I don't like to get angry all the time. I mean, it makes me angry because there, there's not a whole lot I can do about it. I got to live my life as be a testimony, be a witness, be faithful to God, but I can't control those big picture stuff. And so all I hear is, you know, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening, and, I, and, I, and I'm like, I know what the answer is. So it's frustrating, and it makes me believe God's coming back. But he may wait. I mean, God is merciful. If there's anything we've learned about God, he's merciful and long-suffering. Um, he proved that with the northern tribes, who were basically evil and apostasy, and he let them go for 220 years before he judged them. And then you take the southern tribe, he even waited longer and he even postponed under Josiah, King Josiah, the judgment because King did what was right in the sight of the Lord. So he postponed that judgment for the evil. So God is merciful. And we, we got to remember that in dealing with people and, and, and the world, as wicked as it is and evil and dark, we have to remember God is merciful and long suffering. Not me. I don't have I don't have that fuse. My fuse is really short compared to God's. And most of us probably struggle with the same thing. So I don't I know God is gonna He's putting up with a lot right now. I mean think about what He puts up with. I mean it's it's mind-numbing to think about what He's looking at in the world. It's not just America, it's all over. The violence, the porn. The adultery, the divorces, the hatred, the division. I mean, it's like nothing we've ever seen. How many of you you have been around long enough? Have you ever seen anything like this? Something's happening, without a doubt, and God's people need to be prepared. What we do know is that God has limits on what He will tolerate. We just don't know when, but we know He has a limit. And the Bible says, the Lord said in Genesis 5.3 and 5.13, My spirit shall not always strive with man. Remember, in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. There's going to be a limit to what God's going to put up with. And then God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me. God said, I've had enough. That day will come where God says, I've had enough. Then you just have to read the book of revelation to see what he means by i've had enough it's not it's not going to go well for the world but yet in all that judgment the world will not repent it's hard to believe men shake their fist at god but they won't repent now there is a group the multitude which no man can number that gets saved out of the tribulation known as the tribulation saints so there is an awakening a revival but in the, despite that the majority of flesh will not repent and turn to God, despite all the judgments that are coming. So, I'm going to read to you a couple a, a couple of interesting comments. One is an article uh, about Michael Johnson, the, house, the Speaker of the House. Praise the Lord, God raised up a Bible-believing. I mean, this man's taking a stand, folks. We, we ought to be in our prayers begging God to keep him and to strengthen him and to surround him with good men. I actually have a picture right here. He's on the, the floor, the house, and he's praying with a bunch of men. And they wanted to know what he was praying about. So they had an interview with him. It's good to see some men at least are willing to, to fear God and put and sacrifice and say, I'm going to stand up for God despite the fact that everybody around me hates me. I don't know. God raised, can raise up somebody in the midst of that darkness. It's amazing. And here, here's what he says. Great. Do I have my glasses? Yes. No. Yes. All right. Mike Johnson, he said, he spoke ominously of America facing a civilizational moment. The only question is, is God going to allow our nation to enter a time of judgment for our collective sins? This is our speaker of the house. He says, or is he going to give us one more chance to restore the foundations and return to him? He said... And and he says, so the the interviewer, so tell us more about these judgments that you believe. He says more about this time of judgment for America. The culture is so dark. This is his response. The culture is so dark and depraved that it almost seems irredeemable. He cited as supposed evidence the decline of the national church attendance and the rise in LGBTQ youth. The fact, Johnson lamented, that one in four high school students now identifies as something other than straight. Then he says, discussing the risk of divine retribution, Johnson evokes Sodom, the Old Testament city destroyed by God for its wickedness with a rain of burning sulfur. He said, we repent for our sins individually and collectively, and we ask you, O God, that you give us not the judgment we clearly deserve. This is the speaker of the house. On another appearance, he said, we're violating God's commands. We're inventing new ways to do evil, he added. We have, asked, we have to ask ourselves, how long can His mercy and grace be held back? I did this, this was written a month ago. This was just a print a week, a week ago. He's, he's feeling the same thing we are. He's saying the same thing. We don't even know each other, but we, know, we have one common bond. It's Christ. And his holy word. And so he speaks with authority here. He said, um, I think that there's more to, to the interview. I'll leave it at that. But it gives you an idea of, of how even uh, another Bible believer who's been given this platform, how he feels about what God's doing and what our country, the, the depth of darkness that's going on in the world. This is a um, letter that's been printed by a guy named Samuel uh, uh, Gip." He's been around for 52 years and is an evangelist. Um, this is now he's he's all American. He's all patriotic. He loves this country. He's a gospel preaching evangelist, but he sees the dire. He sees what's happening on a on a better better scale than I do because he travels the country, church to church. He goes from you know state to state, and even though he's he's older, he's up there in age now. He says when I examine the country, I look beneath the surface and I see a foundational change. And he quotes, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? He said, they may be unrepairable. Think, if you have a wooden table and it's broken leg, it can be fixed. Broken can be fixed. But if the wood is rotten, it can't be fixed. He says, you cannot repair rot. I fear our nation is not broken. I fear it is rotten. This is someone who sees a lot more than us. I live in a little microcosm bubble of a world sometimes. These are people that are seeing it. I've heard it from many evangelists. He said, if so, then there is no hope for it to be fixed. How did this happen? Well, if the salt lost its saltiness, then what, and the Savior, what happens? The decay begins to accelerate. The church is not doing her job like she was called to do. And that's the consequence of what we see upon us. But these things were prophesied. So, I love this verse. This is a great summary verse for all of us. Remember, we started with watch and pray, right? That that was a whole, God, Jesus commanded us to watch and pray in the last days, especially for his coming. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Paul is giving his last uh, will and testament, his, his final speech, so to speak. He said, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day. Watch this. And not to me only, but unto all them that also, what? Love his appearing. Whoa, somebody's watching and praying. There's a remnant out there that is looking and discerning that the, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. And they're waiting patiently for him to do it and doing as the Bible says, they occupy till He comes. All right, prophecy unfolding. oh man. all right um, i'm gonna I'm gonna take these next few slides next week, but I'm gonna take maybe five minutes and then i'll I'll rehearse this again with you uh, next week. Um, this is a good visual. Some of you probably could teach this yourself, and others. Uh, just need a rehearsing of this, um, and then there's others that may not if may not see this. They not understand. This is what I call the blueprint. This is really hard. I really like to kind of put it up there, but on time. The blueprint of prophecy. This is about dispensational truth. Dispensation is basically rightly dividing the word of truth, putting putting prophecy and scripture into its proper place with the Jew, the Gentile, the Church, the tribulation, the millennial. All there's verses on. Uh, each of those subjects and you got to know where they go and in dispensational truth if you're rightly dividing the word of truth properly you'll find that this this flows perfectly in scripture based on prophecy and so I call it the blueprint of prophecy it's a good visual to have as we talk about end times and um, I I can't go into all the details here this would take us an hour just to kind of walk through the scripture but there's Daniel 79 weeks that's been fulfilled. That was 483 years. Uh, basically, this is Daniel chapter 9. This is a really important prophetic uh, verses regarding the timetable of God. Those 69 weeks or 483 years had been fulfilled when Jesus triumphantly went on the donkey into Jerusalem before he was crucified. That took place on April 6th in 32 A.D., exactly 483 years but if you do the math it's there, there's there's a, a a Jewish calendar and a gentile calendar but it's exactly on that day and most uh, prophetic teachers agree on that then what you have is the death burial and resurrection of Christ you have the birth of the church which is nothing more than a called out assembly but the church is different here in the fact that it now receives the holy spirit to indwell them the holy spirit indwelt the believers makes them one with Christ, building the bride of Christ for Jesus Christ himself. And this is is referred to as a mystery. It was hidden. This entire time in the Old Testament, it was revealed to Paul about what a Jew and Gentile were one and that God had ordained the church and he had postponed what was known as Daniel's 70th week. Daniel's 70th week is seven years. We all know that to be what is called the tribulation period. I've kind of expanded down here. So if you take this period, by the way, this is not drawn to to scale, so don't criticize me there. But this is seven years. You bring it down, it's split into two, three and a half, and three and a half years. Jesus referred to this latter three and a half years as the vials of uh, God's judgment coming. He refers to it as the great tribulation, a time of trouble that never was, nor will ever be again. Jesus' words in Matthew 24, verse 21. And so here we see the church, which was hid, is now we all of us know because we're looking back, we're seeing God's plan unfold, but it was it was hid from all the prophets. They didn't see it, no one saw it, it had to be revealed. And so that is a great mystery. It's the dispensation of grace. This period, it just simply is that is the dispensation of the church. God's going to complete the church. And now he's going to pick up his dealings with Israel again. Not only is he going to pick up his dealings with Israel, he's going to pick up where he had already promised to judge the world for its sin. That's why we have the tribulation period, the seven-year period, Daniel's 70th week. The Antichrist, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, rises up, claims to be God, and then all hell breaks loose on the earth. Then, at the end of that period, Christ returns. Back with his church, the Bible says, calls them the armies of heaven. With his word, he speaks his enemies into oblivion. And then he sets up his throne in Jerusalem, in Israel, literally, to reign, rule and reign for a thousand years. It's mentioned six times in the book of Revelation, chapter uh, 20. And he rules and reigns with a rod of iron. It'll be his way or no way. But that will be the 1,000-year reign, and then we have the new heavens and new earth because that period will end in apostasy. Will there be a great uh, a group of people who will seem to go after Christ and try to destroy him? So this is kind of a summary, right? What I want to focus on for the next few weeks are these three events. you see these little arrows here coming down here? This is all in the last days. Remember, the Bible said, We're not to look for signs to believe, but we should be discerning and observing. Looking at signs is is okay, but we should not be obsessed with them. We shouldn't make those our focal point of believing. We should already believe and then see the sign. And the signs are, and we'll talk about this, is Israel. Israel is the key to prophecy because God is going to pick up his dealings with Israel. Remember, it's kind of set her aside. Israel's been set aside for the most part. It's a Gentile. Is basically the times of the Gentiles, but this is Gentile in nature, even though the Jews are included in the body of Christ, those that trust Christ. But the majority of it's Gentile. He's going to pick up his dealings with Israel. He's going to restore Israel. You'll see all this. I'm going to show you all the verses. He will restore Israel as he promised. Israel was promised to be back in their land before he came. In 1948, and there's a history behind that, in 1948, Israel became a nation. On May 14th, 1948, recognized by the United States and the UN in the land of Palestine, they became a state, a sovereign state, independent. Just like God said they would in prophecy. And he said when they're there, they will no more be plucked out of the land. They're there for good until he returns. So we can look at this war and go, man, the whole world's against Israel. Yeah, but with God on your side, you're going to win. They're not going to touch Israel. Trust me. God." is for israel he promised he made the prophecy he will fulfill it and I'll, those are verses i had for you today and then so israel apostasy which i uh show i shared with you earlier uh that has to, is that day shall not come except there be a falling away which is apostasy away from the truth first then the man of sin the antichrist the man of sin is the first three and a half years, man of sin and the son of perdition. You know what's interesting about that word, son of perdition? There's only one person called the son of perdition in the scripture, Judas Iscariot. So Judas Iscariot went to his own place. Who knows if the soul or spirit of Judas Iscariot, who, by the way, walked with Christ for three and a half years. Who knows Christ better? Who's going to mimic mimic Christ with all the signs and wonders? Now, I'm not saying I can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that Judas is scared or anything like that, but there's something connected there. And he's referred to as the son of perdition in the last three and a half years. Why? Because he rises up as a resurrected leader and he fools the world that he's God. He goes to the temple and he claims to be God and the whole world, and they worship him and they take the mark. How do they take the mark? That's the last piece, is technology is going to play a key role, and that key role is artificial intelligence that will be able to administer what will become known as the mark of the beast. All these things have to be in place or starting to be before our Savior returns. So that's what we're going to focus on. Israel, apostasy, and there's more stuff than, than you're going to shake a stick at when I talk to you about artificial intelligence. It will blow your mind of what's happening. Most of the world is sleeping, not knowing what God is doing or what God is allowing behind the scenes. So with that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for these truths. Lord, if there's anything that we learn from, is that we need to make sure we're right with you. We need to make sure that we're looking, we're watching, we're praying, we're being a people that are occupying till you come. God, give us that sense of urgency, stir in our hearts, Lord, this desire uh, to worship you, to serve you, and to be faithful uh, as we believe we are living in the last days. And Lord, these things are unfolding before our very eyes. And the people, when Christ showed up, missed it. May we not be a people that miss the very things, the truths that God, you're revealing. So we pray you help us, give us wisdom and insight,